You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. From the wild woods of Vancouver Island, welcome to the Soda Pod. Isha Jerome here, and thank you for joining me whenever you're listening. Okay, a couple things right off the bat. I am late as fuck with this episode. I am sorry for both cursing right off the bat and for the delay on both this episode, episode 57 of the Soda Pod, and episode 58. Now, the quick fix, what I'm going to do for you all, if you're listening today when it drops, uh, episode 58 will also be out today, just later in the day, and we have two guests on episode 58, um, my friend Dylan Kayser, co-creator of the Hockey Podcast Network, former co-host of the early rendition of the Soda Pod here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, there's some NHL topics that I want to get in with him, and we also had a request from the state of Hoppy. Sorry to disappoint you, man, with the late episodes. I'll get into the, well, the, the quick version of, of, of why everything went down the way it did momentarily, but Dylan's going to join me because the state of Hoppy actually requested that, uh, that I tell the origin stories of the Hockey Podcast Network. At least I think it was you. See, it's been a busy two weeks. My uh, my brain is in a complete. Uh, I was gonna say scramble, but I was scrambling. It's uh, it's been in a pretzel, and I'm starting to unwind things. And uh, I just I needed to get this out there, mostly out of respect for uh, well for the guests that gave me their time. Jay Fresh is going to be on this episode as I uh, highlighted the last, well, prior to the the last two weeks here on social media. Jay Fresh Hockey, an up-and-coming, well, you know, an up-and-coming Twitter hockey personality in my mind. Uh, Great wit. He uses Twitter perfectly. And uh, though he's still relatively new to that social media, he's absolutely killing it. His uh, his work is unbelievable, and um, he gave me so much of his time. And we just, well, we sat there almost, yeah, I guess for an hour, shot the shit, talked hockey, talked analytics. Um, he talked about what he does, and I can't wait to bring Jay Fresh back on the show. So sorry for the delay, buddy. Um, if you listen to this episode through and through, you'll uh, you'll probably laugh and be like, okay, well. I'll give you a pass this time, Isha. And then uh, I, I won't announce who we have next week. You can check out our social media at the Soda Pod for uh, for who's coming up next week. But on episode fifty-eight, long with the short of it, Dylan is going to join me on that episode and uh, properly give like the origin stories of the Hockey Podcast Network and how uh, how we started this. Um, I made the rounds on a few other shows within and outside the network, actually talking uh, about this in particular. But that's why I wanted to bring Dylan on because, like, I feel like I'm a broken record now. If, if, and even if you who listen to the Soda Pod haven't heard me talk about the Hockey Podcast Network on different shows, my version of it has just been exhausted. And I'd love to get just Dylan's, uh, well, Dylan's perspective on it as well, as we literally started it from, uh, like, from an office. When we got our business license, you know, we measured out the office to get like the cheapest business license because it was just, it was tiny. It's a few feet by few feet, but 
We'll, uh, and I mean, and furthermore, it starts at a radio station in the depths of hell, but we'll get into all of that on episode 58. Um, the quick show rundown, we got some listener interaction. Yeah, it's a, it's a little, it's a little old now, but I do want to address some of it and we'll continue to catch up on, uh, on everything you folks are sending on Twitter and open phone and whatnot in episode 58. Um, quickly throwing out the bat signal for drunk Greg. Like, I hope he's okay i hope the coronavirus did not affect this man because it's been shit it's been over two months and we haven't heard from drunk greg i mean how perfect would it be if if he calls in the next episode um or like today prior to me recording the next episode right after hearing this but maybe maybe i'll have to wait for 59 but greg if you're out there if you're listening if you're healthy my friend at least send me a text so i can reassure the people that you're okay and uh that your local liquor store is still open and you're still shooting back the paps anyway so yeah first thing on the menu uh listener interaction twitter open phone all that jazz um i'm gonna run down the poll question which we had two weeks ago um just to give my quick opinion on it we had way more traction on the last poll question that i posted this last week which we will run down and actually have a discussion about on episode 58 when dylan joins us um but yeah it Anyways, we'll get into it momentarily. I'm, I'm behind on everything, even the poll questions, but I want to thank everyone who has participated and commented and interacted with the poll questions on Twitter at the Soda Pod presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. I already teased it for, for almost a month now, it seems. Uh, our guest segment this week is Jay Fresh Hockey. It was unbelievable. Um, stroked him off enough in the intro. We'll, we'll get to that soon. And then we'll end off the show. Like, not a lot of NHL stuff. I'm sorry, I'm not going to get into a lot of NHL stuff in this episode just because, like, I'm kind of pushing the pace. If you can hear, if you hear to my voice, I'm like two coffees in um, 8 a.m. in the morning. So uh, I'm ready. I want to go. I want to get this one done. Not that I'm, like, trying to rush through it, but I want to get it out there for you folks because I want to get started on 58 and, uh, and get a couple, you know, tie up some loose ends with some upcoming guests for 59 and 60. Wow, I can't believe it's almost June. It's it, it's crazy. I thought that isolation would make me... Well, it's making me go a little crazy, I'm not going to lie. But I thought the time would be so slow. But time is just... Man, time moves quicker the older you get. It's it's true. Okay, let's move on to some listener interaction here. Folks, we got a text and voicemail open to all Minnesota fans and beyond. Listen, it's simple. If you call us, we're putting you on the podcast. It's a great way to interact, so don't be shy. Our number is 612-324-1684. Again, that's 612-324-1684. Let's quickly jump to Twitter, though. The Dog Father. Yes. How's it going, sir? He asks us, how do you feel about the Minnesota Wild winning the cup this year with the complexities of COVID? Would you still feel satisfied if they ended up winning or would it feel like there is an asterisk on the team who does not deserve, who does not win the cup this year? Look, I've made this pretty known in the last few episodes, um, pretty much since, not right when the outbreak happened like when the when the league shut down and and everyone was kind of forced to to take all all these uh well you could argue drastic undrastic whatever i think they're pretty drastic measures and i agree with them to, to well mostly 
but uh, but that's neither here or there. I I think that once we kind of settled into okay, like this is this is the plan. This is what we have to do. We're getting constant updates every well, every day, every week on on what's the landscape of the sports world is going to look like down the road. Since we've kind of I don't want to say plateaued, but it kind of feels like we have since since then. I've been very, very vocal and I've been very adamant that I think 100 percent there's going to be an asterisk. Look, are you going to win a tournament with the best hockey players in the world involved? Yes. And, and congratulations. You should feel proud about that. You should feel proud that as a player working for this particular league, that this league got it done and finished the season and awarded a cup. I, I think there's a, I think there's something to that. But it's not the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs. And it wasn't a quote-unquote regular season. So I, I really do. And like, for example, the teams I follow, like the Vancouver... Well, I don't really follow them, but the, the teams I like, like the Vancouver Canucks, if the Washington Capitals won another one, or if the fucking Minnesota Wild, this team that I've fallen in love with and have the pleasure of talking about and uh, well, and covering, covering them for the Hockey Podcast Network. <laughs> covering them. It's like I'm a... A journalist or something. I have fun talking about a team I love. We'll say that. Um, I would, I would hate it if their their first Stanley Cup was was this one. To be perfectly honest. Now, if you if, I mean, tell me otherwise, Dogfather, as a as a hardcore Minnesota fan, do you believe there's an asterisk? Anyways, let's move on. Here we got another Twitter question. This one from Shane Van Nice, the nicest of Shanes. Um, Shane, you gonna send me any rap videos any any anytime soon? No, I'm just kidding. That may be a that may whew, that may just be a rabbit hole I can't plug down the road. But anyways, uh, <laughs> oh my god! So you can tell Shane's not like a hardcore hockey fan. He's just a huge supporter of the Hockey Podcast Network and just loves the Canucks and Carson Soucy on the Wild. He asked us, "How do Ras? <laughs> how do uh, Rasmus Dahlin?" And the tsunami Carson Soucy compare? Well, Shane, I'm going to tell you. And it may be a waste of time. But Rasmus Dahlin is one of the, the best up-and-coming defensive prospects in the National Hockey League, maybe, maybe even the world. Um, it, his analytics are, are, are insane for being on a terrible team. I mean, he's, of course, he's above 51%. I mean, I could go, I could go through it all. I, I'm not going to here. I mean, we got... We got Jay Fresh on in a, in a moment, and he's the analytics guy. I should should be asking him. But Rasmus Dahlin is 19 years old. He came into the league as an 18 year old. He put up 44 points on a garbage Buffalo Sabres team that yes went on a streak. But let's be honest, it's the National Hockey League. If you don't go on a streak or show any sort of spark, like you're 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 not in the league, or you're the Edmonton Oilers of the <laughs> of the like what 2008, <laughs> 2009, 10. Yeah, you you get the drift. Um, maybe even a little bit later, but anyways, in his second season with only 59 games played, he had 40 points. A wow, 40 points like in, in his first season, chain 82 game season, nine goals, 35 points, 44 or 35 assists for 44 points. This season, as again, a 19 year old, and he was banged up, four goals, 36 assists for 40 points and his yeah his analytics are insane rosmus Dahlin is going to be an absolute stud 6-3 just shy of 200 pounds once this guy beefs up and just honestly like becomes a man oh man is he going to uh dominate the national hockey league carson Susi, on the other hand i love him but he's 26 um he's a big boy too 6-4 just shy of 200 pounds as well and uh, he only has one season in the National Hockey League. He played three games last year. 
and uh, or sorry, three games in 2017-18 didn't register anything but a but a minus two. He did have three blocks and four hits though, so so there you go. Um, and, and this season, I mean, shot look sparks of a of a top four, a five defender in the National Hockey League. That's not a bad thing at all. Or is analytics any great? No, they're not. He he likes joining joining the rush. He can skate. He's got a, he's got a good shot. Defensively, he's not the greatest defenseman. He he's good on this team as again a fourth, a fifth guy. And well, maybe you know what with how the Minnesota Wilds defense is a sixth guy. To be perfectly honest, I played fifty five games this season. He got banged up, but I do like Carson Soucy, the tsunami. He was just one of those bright lights in a time where the Wild weren't playing too well this season. And that, I think that's where the story really ramped up. Do I think he's a good player? Do I think he's an NHL player? Yes, I do. Is he? A- a star like Rasmus Dahlin is at 19? Absolutely not. Uh, um, Shane, just because you're my you're my buddy, I uh, <laughs> I, I went on with this question and or this answer rather way too long than I should have. Um, anyways, uh, the state of Hoppy, what up? You uh, you asked us on Twitter. Or actually, you commented on Michael Russo's uh, May 5th article in the Athletic. Actually, I don't think it was him. He shared Mike Russo. Sorry, shared um, an athletic article titled "Jim Rutherford says trading one of his goaltenders might be inevitable." Now, I mean, Pittsburgh's always having to to change around their. Well, they play the musical chairs of backup goaltenders. Um, when they had Flurry, obviously he was a he was a mainstay for them for so many years, but because of the cap, they have to kind of always move around. Um, the the non-core pieces of this roster it's just the way it's just the way it is and hey it's worked it's worked and Sid and Gino have a few years left in them you get you have to keep moving forward um it's a good problem to have having two really good goaltenders um two goaltenders that you can't both pay because you're gonna sure the value of a top goaltender is not what it was back in the day and some may even argue that I, I just, for some reason, I remember goaltenders being able to fetch a lot more back in the day than what they can, what they can now. But anyways, if a Matt Murray, for example, has moved, I mean, this guy's going to fetch a, a good return. So a, it solves your problem on the back end and you get an asset. So uh, I mean, it means better than what the wild are going to fucking get for if they try to move Stalog or Dubnik. Let's be perfectly honest here. So, um, the state of hobby says, "Are we interested, or do we just wait for Kakinen?" Hey, if there's a trade to be had and it's fa- it's a fair deal, inquire. Why not? But you're going to be waiting for Kakinen anyways, right? You're going to be developing this player. Do you want maybe a Murray? Um, and I just say Murray because I believe he's the one goalie who's probably going to be moved. Do you replace a Devin Dubnik or a Stalock with Murray? Why not? He he's better or can i know he's he's injury riddled but i think he's well he is younger and he he can be more consistent than both of these both of those net miners Stalock's not a starter murray can be a starter dubnik who knows what's going to go on with with his family next year who knows what his future is with the wild or the national hockey league rather you know devin dubnik could sign just like a one-year deal somewhere else and just retire even if he has a good season in in my opinion who knows though who knows um i, I think we're definitely interested i don't think it's a prior priority state of, actually you know what i take that back it's a priority if a trade is is there to to be had like i said if it's not like if the wild aren't just overpaying for netminder because as jay fresh will get into soon here the wild 
this season did uh, other than that horrendous start did everything right statistically they were they were great five on five they they scored a ton of goals um contributions up and down their their lineup defensively from their forwards and from their back end they were awesome they have one of the best defenders in the national hockey league in jared spurgeon on the team net net minding is what held them back this year from already having a playoff spot um, rather than trying to to attain one with only one point out when when the season canceled, when the season was canceled, so it's a priority for sure. But it just depends on what the Wild's plans are moving forward. Because it's a priority if you want to win now, hundred percent. But if you want to be patient and continue just to, I guess, develop and, and tweak things, if you're Billy Garen, then maybe you wait a little longer to pull the trigger. But um, great question. Uh, thanks, thanks for everything. Like state of hoppy, he's. He joined us late, I believe, in like the late th- episode thirty in, in the thirties. But he uh, he's he's been strong ever since. So thanks for the support, buddy. A new follower of the Soda Pod, Dylan at Dylan underscore G eighty nine. Uh, he actually responded to uh, a retweet which asked what the top five wild players were, in your opinion. And he said uh, Koivu, Gabrick, Parise, Suter, and Cullen. Cullen, you know, a great a great pick. I have to say he was he was a beast. Um, good segue from some Pittsburgh conversation too, as he uh, won a cup late in his career there. Anyways, folks, this segment is brought to you by the Open Phone app. They give you a business phone in an app. Great monthly rates at only ten bucks a month. So sign up today, and you will be invited to the web app as well. Uh, we'll get to more Twitter interactions, questions, comments, and more next episode on the Soda Pod. I want to. I want to keep things moving here because, again, it's a really long interview uh, with Jay Fresh. And, uh, again, Jay Fresh, if you're listening throughout this whole thing, buddy, thank you again for your patience. And I hope you come back on. Um, let's uh, let, let's quickly give a shout-out to our sponsors here on the Soda Pod and the Hockey Podcast Network. we got Manscaped.com. Uh, promo code THPN gets you 20% off the, the Lawnmower 3.0. Listen, guys, your balls... And, uh, and your partners will thank you. Uh, Southern Scholar, men's premium socks. THPN gives you $5. THPN promo code gets you $5 off any of your purchases, including the monthly subscription box. So go check them out, southernscholar.com. Uh, cool Hockey. We have a contest going out right now, or going on right now. Um, we're promoting it on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatnot, but most of the interaction is on Twitter. If you use the promo code THPN, when you buy a jersey or any product at coolhockey.com, make sure to go to coolhockey.com slash THPN first, by the way, so we just can track your order. If you buy a jersey, you get 30% off with promo code THPN, again, by going to coolhockey.com slash THPN, and you'll be entered into a draw to win a $175 gift card. And if we get more than 10 people who use this promo code before the end of May, which I believe actually we've hit that. So scratch the 175, you'll be entered into win a $200 gift card to coolhockey.com. So not only do you get a jersey at 30% off for any purchase by going to coolhockey.com slash THPN and using the promo code THPN, you also be entered into a draw to win a $200 gift card. So please support our our friends at coolhockey.com. All right, let's dive into the poll question. uh, The Soda Pod's weekly poll question brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. 
Man, I am behind. So quickly before we get into this poll question, I'll, I'll give you this, the rundown on why everything went the way it did. Um, so I'm, I'm like, if you have been listening to the last, I guess, 10 episodes or so, like I'm, I'm isolating right now um, on, a, on a property with some friends of mine who just built a house and who are continuing to do landscaping. And it's huge. Like it's a few acres. Um, half of the, half the acreage hasn't even been developed, but a lot of it is, is getting there. So I've been helping with, uh, with this damn grass, to be honest, like almost a half an acre of grass that we've been uh that we've been tending to and getting ready for uh we're getting ready for the summer for it to well obviously burn and die but then to come back strong in the <laughs> in the the fall here on vancouver island as we don't really get snow so it's good to anyways just my good friend who's uh who's allowing me to stay here as i moved up island but was unable to move into my new place because of the covid outbreak and everything um i've just been giving him a hand because he Man, him and him and his partner work so hard every day, and they have been for the last two years developing this property. So, anyways, I, I, it's not a permanent residence for me. So, I still have a lot of my stuff in boxes, and I, I don't really have like a good office space. So, I haven't set up my desktop and and just like studio. I've been I've been working my Lenovo X1 Carbon. Let me tell you, uh, it's a beautiful machine. It's awesome, but it is it is old. It's a few years old, and I'm pushing it to the max. So. I recorded episode 57 just rounding out the Jay Fresh interview and it went into the vault of the lost episodes. We'll say that. I recorded half of it again and my I realized my hard drive was full. So I had to do a big cleanup. I had to do some maintenance on my computer. And then uh, and then we got a unexpected burst of beautiful weather here on Vancouver Island. So I, I, I had the time to devote to just sitting inside and, and trying and like, re-recording this episode and fixing a few problems but i also had opportunities to get a little work which right now work is a little scarce um things are starting to open up where where i live and actually the the official uh job hunt has uh has has begun for the day job still working every day on the hockey podcast network don't don't you worry but that's the thing i had a a lot of things juggling um my business partner he's got a, a great new job um but it requires him to have to take a step back from network duties for for just like a, a little bit um during his work cycle so it was just a lot of and we brought in a couple new shows right before then two weeks ago so just which i'll get into actually and plug later on in this show so just a lot was going on and i the one thing that just suffered unfortunately was uh, the soda pod because it was it was the it wasn't critical on my list of tasks um and i'm not gonna lie when it's and for all you americans you're gonna roll your eyes but for you canadians listening when it's 21 celsius 25 degrees celsius outside and you got mountain bike trails in your backyard you got your bike just tuned up um you you're, you're gonna go mountain biking come home and uh instead of crushing a podcast fall asleep at your desk and uh that happened to me twice so i'm <laughs> i've woken up early i've chugged more coffee than any man or person should um i'm gonna have to go for a bike ride after this actually <laughs> speaking of bikes because i sold so much shit in my move um because i was like literally in the midst of moving up island when uh when the covid outbreak happened um i sold a bunch of stuff saved up a little money and bought a sick road bike so i'll have to probably uh no mountain biking today i'm really sorry i went flying off my bike on a trail yesterday and the, my wrist was the size of my hand yesterday it's uh it's looking a lot better today but maybe i'll, I'll go, go out and rip the rip the road bike i want to see like i haven't pushed myself too hard in a road bike ever but like i'm pretty damn strong and i'm getting been a physical 
fucking beast during this isolation and COVID, just working out every day. So I'm going to try to do like 25K. Um, I think I can do it. But anyways, where am I getting to? The poll question. Um, oh, no, wait. <laughs> Concluding why these two weeks have been crazy. Yeah, so network duties, great weather, work opportunities, helping out, um, you know, I guess, my roommates, for lack of a better term, with some with some stuff around the yard, and uh, and computer issues. But the computer stuff has been, knock on wood, fixed for now. Um, my roommates and I were actually just moving some things around to, to set up a spot, at least for my desktop, so that... So like computer issues and technical issues never have to compromise the soda pod again and as things are opening up soon i may uh, i may get into my new place sooner than later i'll keep you updated on my personal life if you want um if if, if you want any more info you have any more questions hit me up at vi sports talk on twitter or of course at the soda pod okay Whew. long or the short of it uh, i totally forgot i even posted this poll question but uh, but I did. So let's get into it. Who will lead the Minnesota Wild in points after the 2020-2021 season? Please explain yourselves. Uh, the options were Kirill Kaprizov, Kevin Fiala, Eric Stahl, and Matt Zuccarello. Now, surprisingly, Eric Stahl with only 6.7%. Matt Zuccarello finished above Eric Stahl, which I know a lot of hockey fans, not just Wild fans, must have chimed in on this because Zuccarello has led his respected Ranger team uh, in the past in, in points, though it wasn't like an outstanding number. But no one really led the Wild in outstanding numbers this season. It was like Fiala, Stahl, and Parise were, uh, were were the ones who were up there. Kevin Fiala won this poll 63%. Um, Kirill Kaprizov a lot lower than I would have expected as well at 18%. So Fiala, Kaprizov, Zuccarello, Stahl in that order. State of Hoppy. Gotta fucking love this guy. Koivu, current leader who will main, maintain that lead even though he won't be playing next season. Attaboy, Koivu. Um, Zepper at uh, Rhett Zepper, R-H-E-T-T-Z-E-P-P-E-R. A new top-line center for all of the assists he'll get passing to Kaprasov. Now, wouldn't they get kind of the same in the ballpark at the same amount of points there, Zepper? But I, I get what you're saying. Um, it then struck a conversation, which I won't get into right now. I, I do like to respond to everyone who comments. Um, again, Kevin Fiala won this poll. I have to say that uh, out of all the players on the wild, I think Kevin Fiala is probably the most talented right now, right? He, he's the up and comer, assuming he can have a good season out of the gate, much like he finished the regular season in assuming the regular season is done in the National Hockey League this year. I think he's definitely the biggest candidate. The reason why I added the other uh, the other choices, though, was Kirill Kaprizov. He could come in and realistically dominate. He really could. He's projected to be that good. Um, maybe even if it's just around the 60-point mark and Kevin Fiala, again, is like around the same that he's that he is now what was it 54 points i just had it up yeah 54 points 23 goals i say those two are going to be around the same ballpark but is it out of the realm of possibility that Kirill kaprizov puts up a 70 point season absolutely not i put eric stall up there because eric stall the last few years has led the wild well has been at the top in scoring for the minnesota wild he finished third this year with 47 points 
Last year, he had 52 points. I don't think he led the team in those. No, Parise did right with the 61 points. But the year prior, you better believe he led the team with 76 points. That was when he scored that whopping 42 goals. So though Eric Stahl obviously is getting older and older, he's 35 years old, his point production hasn't like drastically declined in the last few years. It, for for what this team is and for how much scoring um, is, is had five on five up and down the lineup, that one I actually thought would get a would get a little bit more than Matt Zuccarello though, who finished right above him at eleven percent as I mentioned earlier. Um, I put Matt Zuccarello on this just because he's led his team in scoring in the past, and I really think this. I really hope this was an off year because he's thirty two. Like there's still gas left in the tank. He played well with his time in Dallas in the playoffs last season, and he's been outstanding for the New York Rangers uh, throughout his entire career. Yes, I'll say it, throughout his entire career. Fuck, like, as a rookie, he put up 23 points in 42 games. This guy, this guy's unbelievable. Well, he's had an unbelievable career. There's a great story to him, obviously, which we won't get into right now. Most Minnesota Wild fans and hockey fans know of it. I really, I, I want to root for this guy. Even though, like, he, he shouldn't be on this team in regards to how this team should be built moving forward. But he's not, like, the worst piece to have. And it's funny, like, this is an example. He, he, had, a, he had a pretty bad season analytically and e even with the eye test, I'd have to say, in games. Production-wise, though, and, and, you know, this goes hand-in-hand -hand with uh, the, the Wilds 5-on-5 five -five production um statistics is that he put up 37 points 15 goals in 65 games like those aren't bad numbers yet he had a bad season so imagine if he does well with some of these young up-and-comers around him on his line Thanks to everyone again who participated on the poll question. We had a, a ton of a ton of activity on it, both in the comments section and in the results. Um, just because of the craziness that I outlined in the beginning of the episode, I haven't had a chance to put up a new poll question for this week, but I'm going to right after I finish recording this episode 57, right before I jump to recording episode 58 and get that to you as well. Um, I already talked about who the, the guests are going to be moving forward. I'm really excited to bring Dylan on the show as well. Now that I'm thinking of it as I continue to podcast, I think actually we'll just keep, you know, Jay Fresh is obviously coming up in the next segment here. Um, and then we have an awesome local Minnesotan. Um, I don't want to give too much away right now. I'll continue to promote it on social media uh, in the next few days. But we'll just keep him on episode 58 and I think episode 59. I'll bring in Dylan and we'll just have a huge segment and go through uh, maybe some old radio stories. Because uh, we were talking the other day and we were digging through the vault and we found some hilarious hilarious uh, stories that we can share in regards to our time in radio which is you know connected to the soda pod and the hockey podcast network in the sense that that that's where it all started for dylan and i that's where we actually made the decision to to leave the radio station and start our own thing in the hockey podcast network so i think that's what i'm going to do episode 59 will bring dylan on for maybe even the, the entire show we'll talk about some nhl topics that i've obviously skipped over the last few weeks because Everyone's given their opinion on social media. Do I really want to exhaust it? No, I'll try to keep it as Minnesota-related as possible. But there are a few things that I know Dylan wants to hash out. There's some things that I want to bring up as well. So there you go. 
ever evolving here on the Soda Pod. Uh, before we bring on J Fresh Hockey, I want to remind everyone: if you go to CoolHockey.com, we have so many deals with the promo code THPN. Be sure to go to CoolHockey.com/THPN and type in the promo code THPN for thirty percent off. Uh, give us a shout on Twitter when you do so, and we'll uh, we'll enter you into a draw to chance to win a two hundred dollar Cool Hockey gift card. Follow us on Twitter. Quick reminder, uh, myself at VI Sports Talk and of course the Soda Pod, the podcast's Twitter account at the Soda Pod. The best thing you can do today, folks, is rate and review the Soda Pod on Apple or iTunes. You can also rate and review the Hockey Podcast Network and the shows you like. Even if the review is ridiculous, it, it we just appreciate those five stars. Tell us what you had for breakfast. We don't give a fuck. It helps us stay on top of the sports charts. Um, I, I already ran down that we're going to have a poll question uh, up at the end of this recording, and then I'll, I'll plug it away um, once I record episode 58 and bring that to you folks later today. Um, the Soda Pod's a product of the Hockey Podcast Network, and it is brought to you by Southern Scholar Men's Premium Socks. Listen, you can use the promo code THPN for $5 off your next purchase, even if that's a monthly subscription box. Thanks to our friends at Southern Scholars. And thanks to Jay Fresh Hockey, who, holy fuck, man, you've been so patient with me, and I appreciate it. Because we talked a week prior to when this podcast was supposed to come out before I ran into just technical difficulties, um, schedule compromisations. Um, you know, so some people who were supposed to help me behind the scenes couldn't, couldn't do so last minute. So thanks for your patience, everybody listening to the soda pod and for Jay fresh, one of, one of the best guests I've had the pleasure of talking to, because, you know, we went through my interview questions. Um, I kind of always have an outline of, you know, some basic questions I want to ask, uh, ask the people I'm talking to. And if it grows and develops from there, that, that is the conversation that then even better. And we talk like I, I had to, I had to cut it. We were talking for over an hour. So you folks have an absolute treat here in regards to some late soda pod content. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter at jfreshhockey. Uh, support him on Patreon and enjoy this interview. All right, everybody. Today we are joined by one of the budding stars in the hockey analytics world, who was featured in a recent Athletic article as being one of the top hockey Twitter accounts to follow. His analytics slash data visualizations are a work of art, and his wit plus interaction with both fans of and those who oppose him alike on Twitter makes for amazing entertainment. Welcome to the Soda Pod, Mr. Uh, Jack Johnson. I mean, Jay Fresh. Good to be here. Good to talk to you. So second appearance on the Hockey Podcast Network. Folks, go back and listen to the Ice Analytics podcast to hear uh, Jay Fresh's hit with Dr. Matthew Art. But yeah, man, uh, thanks for making time for us here today. I mean, first, before we get into anything, you know, coronavirus related, hockey related in particular, I mean, what's the story with that profile picture of yours? Well, I, you know, I just wanted to celebrate the, the defenseman that almost found his way to your team last summer. I... Uh, <laughs> No, I mean, honestly, it was it was just kind of one of those things where I made the account way before there was any idea of people actually wanting to follow it. And I just kind of needed a profile picture and it uh, it's just kind of stuck. So it's about time that I change it. I just have to figure out what exactly it's going to be, too. But I'm kind of worried that if I do change it, people actually like won't recognize me anymore and uh, they'll they'll be disoriented and confused. So he might he might be sticking around there for a while longer. 
Well, I mean, it it kind of goes hand in hand with your brand right now, especially now everyone getting like getting re- familiar with what you offer on Twitter and just seeing kind of the meme that is now on your profile anyways, Jack Johnson's picture. So it's super entertaining from my end. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to clear some of that up for anyone who is yeah. uh, is is new to you here. Um, I know a lot of our Minnesota Wild fans listeners are, you know, those our age and whatnot who are like, follow analytics or even if they don't or at least uh, familiar with with your work on Twitter but we do have a lot of like old timers and old school listeners as well which is another reason why I wanted to bring you on here just to kind of uh, highlight this this part of the hockey world now um, so that's one story down now let, now let's get to your story obviously you're involved in, in following the sport of hockey but were you slash are you an analytics based hockey mind first and foremost and, and how did your unique approach to creating these uh, visualizations come about I, I mean, it honestly came from the fact that like, I'm not a huge analytic or stats mind first and foremost, I think like a lot of people who are kind of increasingly getting interested in hockey analytics and stuff like that, it really comes from just wanting to understand more about, you know, what we're watching out there and kind of increasingly recognizing that maybe what we see with our eyes isn't necessarily telling the whole story, especially kind of at the macro level. And I mean, you know, I would hope that that more and more of the followers of the Minnesota Wild are are getting into analytics just as a way to, you know, cover up the misery of kind of ending up in the middle of the pack every year. You know, you guys are winning at something and it's something that is, uh, that's not negligible. But I mean, for me, uh, you know, honestly, especially kind of starting out with the visualizations and stuff like that, it all just kind of came down to realizing that there was kind of all this data that was out there uh, from great sources like Evolving Wild and, and uh, Micah McCurdy and, and all the work that they do. Uh, that was kind of out there in kind of spreadsheet forms and, and that they were kind of putting out in their own visualizations. But recognizing that there were a few gaps in what was kind of out there and, and maybe that there was a way to bridge the divide between people who kind of were interested in analytics or kind of wanted to get a better understanding of those macro trends and stuff like that, uh, but kind of, you know, just aren't super statistically savvy, you know, didn't really know what a standard deviation is or, or kind of how to parse some of these terms. So I made them initially just kind of for my own purpose. You know, I just kind of wanted to know, you know, if the Penguins were going to trade Jack Johnson for Victor Rask, I wanted to know, you know, what the hell kind of player Victor Rask is and, you know, just how happy I should be that Jack Johnson is heading out the door. And uh, all this data was there. It was just a matter of putting it all in one place. And so everything that I've done since then has, has just been a matter of me wanting to know something, realizing that I have the data to show me, you know, what's going on, you know, for example, like for the, the goalie kind of starter ranks and everything, you know, all that data is out there. It's just a matter of kind of putting it somewhere where you can actually track a goalie's career over their, over their tenure in a pretty clear uh, telling way. So that's really my approach. And, and that's what I love about your approach is you, you kind of answered my next question, which I'll get into in a moment here, but, but you are bridging the gap and making it easier for those who are unfamiliar with just reading spreadsheets and, and these new term, well, new terms to them anyways. Um, you're making it very easy to, to read it and, and visualize it, hence the term visualizations. And I, and I think the work is outstanding, man. So for those who are really unfamiliar with some of the now mainstream terms and points in hockey analytics, what, what do your visualizations offer? offer them in particular, especially your player cards, which are outstanding. Um, Cause you, you kind of just highlighted that you didn't exclusively make these for those who are just subscribing to the analytics lens. Yeah. So, I mean, there, I, I, I do recognize that there are kind of some things that are, are on those cards that are 
could be a little alienating if you're not too well versed in, in analytics. And I tried to make it a bit more accessible, but obviously there's there's a little bit that you're going to have to look into to kind of understand some of the terms. So stuff like goals above replacement and wins above replacement are are now pretty mainstream. I think people generally have an understanding of what wins above replacement means in the abstract, just because of you know baseball or, or money ball or, or what have you. But may not understand kind of how it applies to hockey. Uh, so there are kind of there are articles out there that are written by the statistical geniuses who have actually made these uh, you know made these analytics in the first place to kind of explain them in more detail. But essentially, it's just a way to translate uh, a player's impact uh, in different situations. So you know, for instance, even strength offense, defense on the power play, on the penalty kill, and when it comes to penalty taking and penalty drawing, and so kind of the interesting thing that's done with them by these statisticians is uh, kind of adjusting them in order to account for things like context. So, you know, the thing that you always hear when people are complaining about the outputs of analytics models is, oh, well, you know, such and such player actually plays really hard minutes and he plays on a crappy team and, you know, oh, like all that stuff. Uh, and so one of the really interesting things that's happened in the past couple of years is these people have managed to build models that actually filter those factors out. So it really kind of every time one of these new models comes out, we get more and more uh, able to figure out how a player is actually playing kind of in isolation of all those those contexts. And so in the case of the evolving wild model, which is uh, in large part what I draw from for those visualizations, just because it's kind of so clear and so understandable, uh, it really translates those impacts into what's called goals above replacement. Uh, and then from there, uh, it uses kind of a method of figuring out how many goals, you know, turn into a win to translate that number into a wins above replacement. So it's essentially a way of getting kind of one number that allows you to understand kind of in a very brief snapshot way uh, the, the impact that a player is having on his team. Uh, but, you know, aside from just the number, you want to be able to break it down. You want to know what he's contributing in all these different facets of the game. And so that's kind of what I try to bring to the table with the player cards is have it, you know, on one hand, you can kind of see, you know, how they've uh, performed at all these different strengths uh, over the course of three seasons, uh, how they've trended over the course of three seasons, uh, but then also, you know, break it down into kind of a bit more clear areas, like, you know, I have like kind of a five-star system for each of these situations uh, for points percentage, and then obviously I also have uh, the, the cap hit and, and market value or the estimated market value, which I think is usually more of a point of conversation and argument than anything else on them. And that's again, going, going back to the, the sheets, that's what I love about them, especially on Twitter is they're just catalysts for conversations, which you don't shy away from either, which is, which is a great thing to see. And, and, and just jumping on that kind of filtration piece now, especially with analytics evolving every single, every single year. And ironically the evolving wild guys uh, being, you know, very much in the mix on that. It's cool to see how now there are there are filters that take into account all these you know arguments that are coming from the quote unquote old school minds. I mean, I, I saw or, or just even the you know some that just aren't practicing logic. Like I saw you uh, engage with a hockey writer recently about Leon Dreisaitl and how well if he just turned on his 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 care or his defensive mindset every night, then he could have he could maybe be a Selkie uh, Trophy finalist. But at the end of the day, your argument was, well, I don't take into account those numbers, and neither do these uh, analytics. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, I think that the one thing, and I think it's something that's been kind of leading to me being, you know, maybe a little bit more hostile than I would generally like to be, is that I think that as these stats get a lot better, a lot more advanced, and a lot more able to account for things, 
that are usually the reason that people complain about them. I think it becomes more and more clear that uh, you know a lot of hostility to analytics isn't coming from kind of a logical critique standpoint. It's more just kind of a defensiveness for you know the supposed eye test perception. So you know because it, it used to be just the old reliable you know five or six years ago was oh you know I don't care about those Corsi numbers because. Uh, you know, he plays for a good team or this guy plays for a bad team or, or so on and so forth. And kind of as those arguments kind of one by one are able to be addressed by these statistical models, I think it's becoming more and more clear that the hostility isn't necessarily to the methods of the models. It's just to the fact that you're trying to model hockey and sometimes the outputs of those models are going to disagree with what people just kind of in their gut feel about players. So, you know, for the example of Dreisaitl, you know, there's lots of Oilers fans and, you know, I don't want to generalize because there's a lot of Oilers fans who are realistic about the player that Dreisaitl is. And the player that Dreisaitl is is one of the best players in the league. He's a brilliant offensive player. Uh, and there's a lot of Oilers fans that recognize that in his game, that comes at the price of defense. But I think there's also a lot of people like that person who I had a friendly conversation with uh, online yesterday who, you know, their memories of their eye test are, I think, colored or dominated by you know a certain narrative that they remember so for instance you know oh he was good in the playoffs defensively you know when they were up by one goal in a game six or something four years ago and I think that that allows them to color you know their perception of everything and I think if we if you want to talk about Marc-Andre Fleury a little bit later on we can get directly into that point but the uh but yeah no so I, I think honestly that's you know, it's it's impressive that we've been able to finesse these models. And by we, of course, I mean the brilliant statisticians and not me, who's just making pretty uh, diagrams <laughs> of them. But it's impressive that the hockey analytics community has been able to advance these models in such an impressive way. And I think it just exposes the amount that kind of hostility to them is just kind of exactly that dynamic. Well, let's jump into Mark Andre Fleury right now because my next question right. for you, and Love it's a per- to. it's a perfect segue. I was gonna I was gonna ask you, you know, what are some big name players who you've highlighted in your work whose analytics and eye tests do not line up, and uh, and in, and in your analysis, why don't they? And like, let's start with Mark Andre right off the bat. And if there's anybody All else right. who you want to provide an example with off the off the top of your head, uh, please do. Absolutely, yeah. I, I'm I'm happy to talk about Mark Andre Fleury. You know, <laughs> Any uh, day just, you are. <laughs> just, to, just to try to put it in perspective for for your Minnesota Wild listeners uh, or Wild fan listeners, because I've been a Penguins fan since I was a little kid. You know, I've watched you know hundreds of Mark Andre Fleury games in my career in my uh, in my time as a fan. And you know, if, if just imagine that Devin Dubnik, you know, got picked by Seattle and then had one really really good season, and then everybody started talking about how he was actually all always good and always elite and should be a hockey hall of famer well i mean he was picked up by, he reaction. he was picked up by the wild had one uh, two good seasons and people kind of think that anyways <laughs> well there you go so i so that's kind of where my you know maybe slightly more uh more heated uh uh hostility to the idea that he's a hockey hall of fame caliber goaltender comes from but no i mean you know i, I wrote this piece a couple of days ago and it, it was something that i always kind of you know, wanted to get off my chest at some point. And it came up, I think, because there were a lot of people in kind of the old guard hockey media, you know, NHL.com and John Shannon and, and kind of those kind of, you know, more kind of gut-based rather than, you know, stats-based, to say it lightly, uh, observers who were kind of ranking goaltenders in kind of the expansion era overall and kind of had him up in that kind of top 15, top 10 range. Uh, and my just complete confusion and bewilderment with, 
like that idea at all. And so I just kind of wrote out this piece that, you know, I, I mean, I, I honestly think, you know, Flurry is one of those cases where I don't even think necessarily it's that the stats don't align with the eye test. It's just that I think that people are filtering out the eye test for only happy memories at the expense of, you know, the actual majority of a 13-year body of work as, a, as an NHL starter, uh, or at least an NHL starter in kind of years that we have analytics available, you know. So, I, I, like, for example, you know, they talk about the three Stanley Cups, you know, he actually has one Stanley Cup that he actually won while being on the ice. The other two, he won from the bench. So I think already that's a little bit dishonest. You know, they talk about, you know, his big game seven performances, whether they're kind of 2009 or, or 2017 or, or, you know, his run with Vegas, which obviously the run with Vegas was extremely impressive. Statistically, that was kind of his one elite season. But if you look at the body of the work with the Penguins, it's pretty grim. Like, especially kind of after that 2008 cup run where they lost in the finals, where he was legitimately one of the main reasons they got there. Like his, his numbers and his record, you know, even including the cup run where he was actually honestly only okay. Uh, up until the time that he left uh, is, is not good at all. I mean, he just went back and forth from being one of the worst goalies in the league to being kind of average at best. Uh, and Kenny, he comes to Vegas. He has that one brilliant season. Obviously, it's a super visible season. It might be one of the most visible seasons that a goaltender's had in the past 20 years just because, you know, Vegas was the huge story that year. Uh, and Everybody was kind of looking to them. And, and honestly, ever since, he hasn't been that good either. And people kind of still rank him as being one of these super elite goalies just because they remember that 2017-18 season. So, I, I, I honestly, I... I it, baffles me that people are putting him in a hockey hall of fame conversation and i think it just reveals that even as people kind of pretend that they're smarter than they are when it comes to you know oh well like we know that wins aren't actually what matters and we know that you know we, we need to measure goalies by their individual play i think it reveals that we still in large part are evaluating players but especially goalies by how good their teams are yeah, absolutely. Because the biggest thing that, that comes into to that conversation um, from the, the opposing argument anyways, opposing you is it, it would be talking about the wins where you can you can highlight that right off the bat. Well, the team wins the game, not not just the goaltender. Yes, the goaltender is the last line of defense, but there there's so many numbers now that can uh, that can unpack that um, from that angle. So, I mean, great analysis there. Do you have, do you have another name off the top of your head that, you, that maybe doesn't match the eye test or that people overhype? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, when it comes to the whole matching the eye test thing, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give one that people kind of under hype at least, which is, uh, uh, on my own team, I think Zach Aston Reese is a guy who comes up quite a bit, okay. uh, where, you know, Zach Aston Reese for any kind of Minnesota wild fans who aren't super, super familiar with a fourth liner in another conference. He, uh, he's a left winger for the Penguins who has brilliant defensive numbers like best in the league defensive numbers along forwards and actually he's he's in a category that also includes Marcus Foligno as far as kind of those fourth liners who just have brilliant lights out uh defensive numbers uh and you know that's a player that I'm super familiar with just because I'm a Penguins fan and I watch all their games and I think that if you recognize that he has those good analytics you can kind of see what he's doing that helps it happen like his positioning is really good his puck battles are good he's never gets caught in his own zone just stuff like that but if you go on kind of more, you know, more mainstream hockey communities like, you know, Reddit or HF boards or stuff like that, you know, they hate him. They, they think that he's the worst player 
on the team. They think he's a terrible forward. They think he's bringing the team down and he has to go. And the reason for it is that he doesn't score goals and he's not fast. Uh, and I think that that's a case for a lot of either players who are kind of overvalued with poor analytics or undervalued with good analytics is they either have those really flashy qualities. They score highlight real goals. You know, they have a great shot. They, they do things that are very visually appealing, even if their overall impact on the ice is bad or the other way around where they're not super fast or they don't hit hard or they don't do, you know, things that a fan just watching a game will notice, you know, what they do is kind of spread out at a macro level, you know, and it might just be things as small as positioning or, you know, having your stick in the right place to take away a passing lane. So, you know, you're literally talking about things that aren't happening. And I'm, I, you know, I don't watch the wild enough to be able to, to say that, you know, Marcus Foligno, for example, would be a guy who the same logic applies to, but it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I, I guess, would you say that, that Felino kind of gets underrated by Wild fans or are they on board with him because he fights and hits and stuff? Honestly, up until this season, they were kind of disappointed in, in what they got for him when they brought him over as they, they'd hoped him being, I believe he was a late first, first round pick or at least early in the draft anyways with Buffalo, that he was going to bring a little bit more. But this season in particular, he, I wouldn't be surprised if he won like team MVP, to be perfectly honest, with how much, he, with how much of a force he was on the ice. And it reflected in the wins when, when he was when you even just saw him with his board play, for example, and defensive prowess, they, they won games and you could really see it. So this year, the Wild really, really uh, started to, to, to notice him and fall in love with him. Yeah. But, but you're right, like up until this point where you could visually see it, um, and it and, and visually like understand that it was a catalyst for wins. No, I'd say it was underappreciated as well. And in regards to Zach Aston Reese, that's such a great example because I know and perhaps some Minnesota Wild fans who follow college hockey closely will know that, you know, he was he was an outstanding college player, Hobie Baker winner, if I'm not mistaken. But then infamously, I think every other hockey fan just remembers him from getting absolutely tuned by Tom Wilson in that one right. playoff. Yeah, see, no, I've blocked that out. So that didn't even uh, come to my mind. <laughs> All right, so I this is—I I think I also suffered some memory loss on that uh, in that oh, series. I, don't I mean, the only one. You're gonna hate um, me for this. I, I do like the Caps, but I—I couldn't—I uh, couldn't get on board with that hit either. That was—that was fucked up. <laughs> no, I had to—I had to bury the hatchet and cheer for them in the final. But just—just uh, just because you know, I, I realized that a decade plus of hating Ovechkin's guts because you know I, I grew up in the same town as Sidney Crosby, so it was a real Sid versus Ovi thing when I was growing up and. I think I finally had to recognize that I should just appreciate what Ovechkin was doing and not hate him unconditionally. But kind of speaking of the Caps, actually, since you asked me for an example of a guy who uh, has poor analytics, uh, who people kind of consider to be really, really good, um, you know, a lot of people talk about kind of the more, you know, the bigger examples like, you know, Patrick Kane and, and Ovechkin uh, himself kind of as in terms of people whose on-ice metrics aren't quite as good as their reputation. Uh, but I think a guy that kind of falls under the radar in that respect is Evgeny Kuznetsov. Because I think a lot of people remember his performance in the playoffs. They remember the highlight reel goals. They remember the stupid bird celebration. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, and, and he's an incredibly skilled offensive player. He's super, super talented. He's creative and he's fun to watch. But when you look, when you step back and look at the overall impact of what he's doing on the ice, uh, I mean, especially defensively, you know, we talk about, you know, Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid as being guys who are good defensively or good offensively and poor defensively. But my God, Evgeny Kuznetsov is terrible defensively. You know, this is a guy playing the center position, you know, at least Dreisaitl plays, uh, plays the wing fairly often. But I mean, Kuznetsov is, he's a good offensive player. Like, you know, like I have him kind of, he's in the kind of 85th percentile 
range as far as NHL forwards and offense, which would have him pretty firmly as a first line player. But like he is, he is in the first percentile in even strength defense in the NHL. Like, and, and it really, really brings down his overall impact to a point that I think would be very surprising to a lot of people. Like, you know, I, like I have kind of based on solely on wins above replacement, you know, this season his his percentile rank among forwards is in kind of the 35th percentile range, which, which, you know, I mean, that does that match up about anybody who thinks about Kuznetsov. Like, I don't think people, you know, people necessarily, he's not really in the conversation as far as who the best forwards in the league are anymore. I think he kind of was trending towards that, but yeah, no, that's a perfect example of a guy. And I think there's a lot of cases where players will get reputations, not even just generally for how they play overall, but kind of certain aspects of their game that don't necessarily match up with what you actually see. Uh, I think that happens a lot with defensive play. And this has actually been kind of a topic of conversation. Uh, increasingly is kind of the tension between the eye test and with analytics when it comes to measuring defense, because I think that it's the same case as kind of what we talked about but earlier is that there's a lot of flashy things that people can do that look like defensive play, you know, like for example, stealing the puck or winning board battles or things like that. Um, and there are players who, you know, for people who have tracked those stats look very good in that category. So like Barkov is a perfect example, you know, people just generally believe that Barkov is one of the best defensive players in the league. And sure enough, he ranks very high in statistical categories that uh, measure things that are very visible, like, you know, steals and stuff like that and so i think people see him stealing the puck and doing stuff like that and they say this guy's one of the best defensive players in the league and yet if you look at his kind of overall impact on the ice as far as preventing you know quality chances against his goaltender you know once you isolate for all the context and stuff like that it's actually relatively poor uh and i think the same thing happened with Sidney crosby this year uh who admittedly, you know, there was kind of a narrative that I definitely tracked as a Penguins fan of people saying, you know, oh, Sidney Crosby has, has figured it out, you know, defensively. He's becoming Steve Eiserman. He's really turning into that brilliant player uh, two ways, you know, even as his offense starts to dip. And I think in some cases that reputation can kind of start to build just because people want to see it. You know, people like the idea of Sidney Crosby becoming one of the best defensive players in the league. Uh, as his career progresses and definitely you know last year in 1819 he was one of the best defensive forwards in the league it was super impressive what he was able to do and, and honestly I would have had him as the the MVP last year uh, but man he sucked defensively this year it was bad uh, his his offense took a hit as well but his his defense basically went from being like near the top of the league among forwards to near the bottom and people, you know, if you still look at the rankings of who are the most complete players in the NHL, you're going to see Sidney Crosby, you're going to see Barkov, you know, you're going to see these guys where it doesn't actually necessarily match up to, to what they're doing on the ice. So I think one thing that people, I think, should consider when they're getting mad at analytics because they don't put out or their outputs aren't something that they agrees with reputation or necessarily what they see on the ice is I think that you have to recognize that things like offense and defense aren't necessarily going to be completely measured by super visible stuff on the ice, you know, by stuffs like takeaways or puck battles or great passes or great shots and stuff like that, uh, that there's more out there that you just can't catch with the eye test, you know, like macro level impacts, like positioning, like, you know, especially on defense, defense is the perfect example of that where on defense, if you're trying to track defense with the eye test, what you're trying to figure out is something that's not happening. You know, 
Marcus Foligno is good defensively because things don't happen when he's out there. And if you're looking for things to happen, if you're looking for, you know, that brilliant poke check or the sliding block or, a, a you know, big board battle one, you know, you're not necessarily going to be looking at the most at the best defensive players. So I think that people should be a little bit careful when they get mad at the outputs of models that disagree with what they see. Yeah, and that's such a good point. And it's, it's funny, this just kind of uh, came, came to mind right away in that with, with all these now like analytics and, and tools to be able to really dive in and, and analyze a, a player, both, like for example, for Kuznetsov, you know, his offensive output still could be amazing. But like you said, with that much of a, a defensive liability that he is moving forward, I mean, it's, I, I'm personally thinking that this could honestly help, help defensemen in regards to getting what, what they deservingly uh, well, what, what they deserve in regards to a big payday down the road oh, and, maybe, and maybe diminish that of the, of the big forwards these days starting to equalize the league in regards to, well, the amount that big people are being, or uh, big defensemen are being paid that who don't necessarily put out a lot of points, for example. Yeah, no, I, like, I think it's interesting because I think that there's a lot of his hostility among players in general to analytics. And I think that in, in large part, it's, probably lines up with the hostility of a lot of you know the we talked about the the 200 hockey men you know the mainstream hockey reporters and stuff and a lot of it is that they just they don't understand it you know this isn't their universe their universe has been going to hockey games and commentating hockey games and analyzing tape and stuff like that you know they don't understand the universe of hockey analytics and i think that they have a, a, a basic hostility to it because it's something that's kind of intruding on their territory and you know all these people who you know didn't get internships at TSN when they were 17 years old are are starting to say that they actually have something meaningful to say about uh, about hockey players that might actually supersede their you know the the mainstream analyst observations but I think that that would probably be a loss for NHL players because I mean there's plenty of players who have fantastic analytics who are getting hugely underpaid and will get hugely underpaid as a result you know, there are guys who we constantly see who are getting massive discount contracts because, you know, they are not necessarily able to bring the analytics to the table either because it's not taken seriously, it's laughed out of the room, or in some cases, you know, for instance, for arbitration cases, I don't think, as far as I know, you're not able to bring analytics to the table in terms of arbitration. I think it's just pretty traditional metrics and stuff. So if you have a guy who's, you know, playing on the second pairing or something like that, and he's putting up brilliant numbers. It's not like you can really go to the table and say, look, clearly I should be on the first pair based on these analytics. It's like, no, you're going to get paid like a second pair defenseman. So I don't know. I think that uh, it would be nice if, if some of this stuff got, got picked up more generally, uh, especially kind of by, you know, guys like Aston Reese, like Aston Reese is an RFA. There's no universe where Aston Reese gets more than 1.5 million bucks this, this right. uh, off season. You know, there's no universe where, you know, Yuso Regala, who's another kind of Penguins depth player who has really nice analytics, but he's he's stuck behind uh, Jack Johnson on the depth chart. He's not clawing his way out of that. You know, there's no universe where he doesn't kind of pick up a Leafman contract somewhere or go back to Finland. Uh, you know, and the same thing works the other way. You know, Jack Johnson can pick up five-year contracts and, and so on and so forth. So I think for now, it, it really is kind of a way for us to operate as kind of enlightened spectators and, and you know, it, but but the thing about being a sports fan is that it's the most powerless thing in the world. It's the least democratic thing in the world. You can pound your fists and tweet about Jack Johnson all you want, but it's not like the Penguins fan base can vote him off the island. You know, you can't convince 
Jim Rutherford to to trade him away. We just have to desperately pray that he figures it out himself. No, absolutely. And I know like analytics in the mainstream now, it's still in its infancy, though it's, you know, 10, 15 years old now um, in the public's eye anyways. But the NHL is always is always slower to move the needle on on these kind of things. So I have to imagine that that down the road, when more of the quote unquote old boys club, uh, you know, hang up their skates, and more of these younger younger people start coming into coming into the hockey managerial worlds and stuff like that, that these things will be taken into account because the fact that you can't bring these type of numbers into arbitration is is ludicrous in in, in my mind. Um, but since this is a Minnesota Wild-based podcast, let, let's dive into this team a little bit here. I mean, you've given us a, a ton of your time already and some great content, so we don't have to do a deep dive in it. But from an, from an analytical standpoint, I mean, where do you believe the Wilds succeeded this season? And on the flip side, where did they struggle? And furthermore, if, if you can point out a hidden gem on this team um, that, that's underrated due to maybe, again, those as the theme is here, just trusting their eyes, that would be great. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the thing about the Wild is if you looked at their analytical profile, you'd think they were one of the best teams in the league. You know, I was kind of scouring their, their, their stats kind of because I knew that we were going to chat about them. And it, it is so difficult to find anything that they're not good at. <laughs> like, you know, Except scoring those, maybe? <laughs> well, but, but, but I mean, that's the thing. Like, you, like you'd say, oh, yeah, like they're, they're really bad at scoring. And then you look at their shooting percentage and it's sixth in the league. You know? like, and and that's, that's in all situations. I think at, at five on five, it was actually even higher than that. So I, I really am, am kind of at a loss as to what exactly is wrong with this Minnesota Wild team. I mean, obviously, we can talk about goaltending as being the main thing. But like, yeah, like at five on five, the Minnesota Wild had the second best shooting percentage in the, in the NHL behind the Tampa Bay Lightning. Insane. Which, which is just wild, no pun intended, because, I mean, who the hell is scoring these goals on the Minnesota <laughs> Wild? It's not like they're, like, stacked with 30-goal scorers or anything like that. So, like, that was, that was going to be my explanation. I was going to come to this podcast and say, the problem with the Minnesota Wild is the same as the problem with the Carolina Hurricanes a couple years ago. They don't have a goalie. Uh, well, specifically, they have two terrible goalies, and they uh, can't score. And I immediately was informed by the stats that apparently they can score like apparently their shooting luck is actually pretty good so i you know i i kind of i I chucked the team in the old uh wins above replacement roster generator which is kind of a one of the visualizations i've made where you just kind of you plug a lineup into this thing and it kind of gives the individual wins above replacement that are it would project to be contributed by each player based on like their ice time over the course of a full season and it tossed it, it told me that it's a 114 standing points team so and this is a team that's you know not going to make the playoffs if it's based on points percentage so i you know you, you hate to say that it might just be that the analytics are are wrong on the minnesota wild or there's something that they're not quite figuring out yet but i mean just looking at the numbers at least you would think that the wild are are one of the better teams in the nhl so i'm uh I, I'm wondering whether a decent chunk of it might be a special teams issue, especially their their penalty kill seems to be pretty tough. Uh, their penalty kill goaltending especially looked real bad, uh, even compared to their their even strength goaltending. Um, but the issue for the Wild, at least, especially compared to that Hurricanes team, because that's like the immediate comparison you'd want to bring up. So for any listeners who aren't, you know, intimately acquainted with a, a Eastern Conference team that didn't make the playoffs for 11 years. The uh, the Hurricanes were kind of in the same profile as the Wild as far as an analytical darling team that year after year 
people would project to finally be, you know, making the playoffs as a big contender and repeatedly just not do it. And they finally did it last year um, in part because they got the goaltending and also because they had some goal scorers. Um, but the issue with the wild compared to them is that the wild seem to be either rebuilding or retooling or doing, you know, doing something like just as an outsider perspective, I really don't have much of an idea of what exactly the wild are, what, you know, what their organizational focus is right now. I mean, they signed, they extended uh, Jared Spurgeon to a great contract. I mean, a brilliant contract. I think he's one of the best, one of the best defensemen in the league, you know, probably top three. Uh, And they signed him for seven, uh, for 7 million bucks, which is great. But, you know, they trade away Jason Zucker, but they signed Matt Zuccarello. Uh, You know, I kind of struggle to figure out exactly as an outsider where this team thinks it's heading. And I could totally see a universe where the Wild get a new goalie. You know, they sign Yaroslav Halak or something like that and end up being a playoff team again next year. But I could just as easily see a situation where they trade away some real good players like, you know, Jonas Prodean or Matt Dumba in the offseason and they're they're back to square one. So it's uh it's a real tricky situation with them. And, you know, as a as a Penguins fan, I'm I'm acquainted with Bill Guerin. Uh Guerin kind of got blamed by Penguins fans for all of the dumb stuff that they have done over the past couple of years. Uh possibly unfairly. I mean we we don't know too much about what Guerin was super involved with. Uh we know that he was the driving force behind trading uh, uh, Simone Depre for Ben Lovejoy, which in retrospect, because Depre kind of had some concussion issues and Lovejoy ended up being a decent contributor on the 2016 uh, cup team, doesn't look too bad, but at the time was kind of a catastrophic, you know, trading the young defenseman for the kind of old, mediocre, slow, crummy player situation. And I think after that, he kind of got, you know, he he got the label of kind of the old guard, analytics hostile, uh, you know, assistant general manager. So, I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm looking at the wild. I mean, that there are, you know, if you're talking about people who are kind of underrated among across the NHL, I mean, you know, God, take your pick. <laughs> I mean, you know, Spurge and I just talked about. You know, I, I had a I had a poll a couple of days ago where I asked, you know why the hell don't people think that Jared Spurgeon is one of the best defensemen in the NHL? And the vast majority of people said it's because he plays for Minnesota. Uh, you know, I think you, like, you could look down the lineup. I mean, Joel Erickson, God, his oh, analytics are nuts this year. He's I was like, such I, a treat to watch. Like, I'm like, you know, I, I kind of plug him into, into this machine. You know, he was 92nd percentile in the NHL as far as ones wow. above replacement. His, his even strength defense is 96th percentile in the league you know, as a 23-year-old, you know, and like, who the hell is talking about Joel Erickson Eck? You know, I think as soon as he kind of stopped appearing on those hockey news prospect rankings, I feel like nobody ever talked about him again. And, you know, here's a guy who who seems to be, by all accounts, tearing it up. So, yeah, I mean, God, like, I mean, you look all over the wild roster and you see guys who have fantastic analytical profiles and, and yet somehow there just seems to be a, a gap there in terms of what they're achieving you know, to use the cliche on the spreadsheet compared to on the ice. So uh, it, it's a little confusing. I wonder, like, 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 what do you think, like, as somebody who regularly watches and covers the, the wild, like, like, what would you identify as being the gap between the numbers and what's actually going on? 
Well, there's a couple things this season and, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but just how the, how they started right off the bat with a, just a, a crazy schedule in that they were playing countless games on the road, would come home for sometimes just one game, then go out for another seven-game road trip. Um, right. Take that again with a grain of salt, but that definitely was a catalyst for how poorly they played at the beginning of the season. And Zach Parise in particular, who I believe scored around like 25 or 30 goals this year. He's not the prettiest goal scorer. He never has been scoring a lot of them just in, in front of the net. So th there is goal scoring on this team. I mean, Ryan Donato with maybe five to 10 minutes a night under Bruce Boudreau still put the biscuit in the basket. I think right. with this team overall, like they're, they're, they're in a good position if they get a couple if they address a piece or two positively then they can actually be that dominant team that the you and i and the numbers uh show that they can be but with one or two pieces in regression they can really take a lot of steps back and we kind of saw that with goaltending this year i mean devin dubnik obviously a digressing product but with everything going on off the ice with his family is his his wife was tremendously sick um, and was hospitalized uh, this season. So he constantly was in and out of the lineup and, and in and out of the, the team locker room and whatnot. And taking nothing away from Staylock, who played his role fine as the backup coming in, winning games. He's not the type. He's, he's not a, a starter in the league. I mean, the right. numbers and the eye test can, can both attest to that. So I think with some positive goaltending and them not shaking up their defense, but maybe having another, I, I want to say center to complete their roster and just make it so that Eric Stahl doesn't have to con Constantly take these these really hard matchups. I think right. really Koivu's kind of seems to be on the way out, right? Like he's yeah, on it's uh, Finland or something like that. Well, I think he's just done, and it's devastating because yeah. this season was playing out to you know put, like especially towards the end they they were fighting for a playoff spot, and whether they made it or not, I think Koivu would have been satisfied with okay, I put everything on the line, and you know this is the way it ends, that's fine. Because I can't imagine from what I've read from Michael Russo and The Athletic and whatnot that he's going to play elsewhere, that he loves Minnesota. Even in Finland, I think that he's just going to call it with the, and, be, and take, take pride in, in the great uh, career that he's had. But overall, I think it's just one or two missing pieces. And um, I mean, you're in the midst of breaking down every NHL team in April, which is amazing. And uh, we, we talked about a little bit of your findings already in the fact that, yes, Jared Spurgeon is, in my opinion, an elite defenseman. Like he's, yeah. oh, he's, he's, he's everywhere positionally in the, in the correct spot. And offensively, he can bring it as well. And he's such a good skater that... I don't think people look at him as a, a great defenseman because he's not that physical. But like you mentioned earlier, he doesn't have to be. The fact that he's not doing anything is is and not involved in the play all the time on the defensive side is is a great thing. Um, the likes of Kevin Fiala, Marcus Foligno too, were were huge pieces for this uh, for this team this season. And you highlighted also in this uh, little rundown that this is a perfect example of a team that can be dominant and maybe even elite if there was just a little bit more scoring. Now, I know that didn't reflect this year because they did manage to score and the shooting percentage was so high. But you did give an example that in past years that that was kind of the only crux holding them back. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's always kind of what you expect with these teams that are super good possession teams, but it doesn't translate. Your, your instinct is, oh, well, they just they don't have the scoring talent. And I mean, if you look at this roster, it doesn't look like a roster that's overflowing with scoring talent, especially now that uh, Jason Zucker is, is on my team. But uh, I, I, I kind of wonder, actually, I was going to ask you, just because as I'm kind of cycling through all these different guys' player cards, you know, trying to get a sense for, for who the guys on this team are, it does seem like a lot of the players who are kind of the better guys, their, their time on ice is more indicative of uh, 
third liner or like a fourth liner. Like like Joel Erickson Eck is one where his his time on ice per game is like less than sixty minutes a night, which you know considering how incredible his numbers are isn't the first thing you would expect. And I think the same thing was the case for you know like Donato and, and Kevin Fiala was one actually. I think in in my in my post about the the Wild in my rundown about them, I was saying you know it's it's just a weird situation because he led the team in scoring and he was playing third line minutes and you'd think that at some point the the coach would just kind of like look at the lineup sheet look at the scoring charts and say oh this guy's leading us in scoring we should probably play him in the top six so i got maybe maybe deployment is an issue like maybe i'm being a little bit more generous in my my line combinations than the wild are necessarily being uh like i see like like Luke Cunning, like was Luke Cunning like a regular top six player by the end of the season, or is he a guy who has been staying near the bottom of the lineup? Him, Joel Erickson, Eck, and Greenway predominantly were on that third line together. So he he had to he went into the top six basically when there was injuries. But other than that, he stayed in the bottom six, much like those other two young players. Okay, I, I was going to say that's probably for the best. <laughs> He's the only guy who I have in this wild lineup who's a, who's a negative. Well, uh, actually. No, in the entire lineup, other than the goaltender, who's a negative uh, wins above replacement guy. Actually, one guy who, you know, if, if we talk about ways that, you know, because we kind of talked about ways that the Wilds could, could help themselves over the summer, you know, getting, you know, a kind of a 1A goalie who could at least, you know, cover up a couple of the deficiencies with, with Devin Dubnik. Uh, but as far as ways that the Wild could completely, you know, screw themselves, I feel like selling low, I mean, Brodian is an obvious one. Like I, I do not think that unless they get like a, a fantastic forward that they should move Brodian. But I feel like moving Matt Dumbo would be a very easy way for them to just make a really dumb mistake that would blow up in their face. Because like just looking at his numbers compared to even last season, like that would be selling low, like by definition, like perfect example of selling low. Like here's a guy who, if you look at his kind of timeline of of especially uh, like offense, was just kind of like in the stratosphere last year like he was uh a 99th percentile offensive play offensive defenseman last year who completely crashed this year in in that regard uh and meanwhile there's all these trade rumors swirling around about him and i'm just thinking like good god like like bill garen like if you trade matt dumbo right now you are gonna look like such an idiot next year and i i feel like i haven't really heard that many rumors about him since the trade deadline but i guess we haven't really heard many rumors about anyone but if I had to kind of pick the one way that they could very easily make complete idiots of themselves this summer, trading Matt Dumba would be a pretty high option on the list. Yeah, and I mean, everyone in this market, myself included, is very familiar with his uh, point production dropping off. I have to say, though, it's I, and I personally believe that it's attributed to him, you know, coming off an off season where he couldn't have a proper training. He was rehabbing his uh, his his pectoral. Uh, well, coming off rehab, uh, cert- pectoral surgery anyways, and then I know there was some complications with his rehab as um, he was dealing with an infection. So his just right. personal training got, got pushed back and back and back. And then finally, next thing you know, it's, it's wild training camp. And then with the poor start that they had, it just kind of seemed like he just never was able to, to catch traction this season. And having said all that, he, he did put up decent offensive numbers for a defender. And, yeah. uh, and like you said, it was kind of an anomaly of a season. I, I mean, overall... The, the wild market and I think the, the franchise recognizes that, that you know if they're going to get a top center they have to move out 
they have to move out one of those two defensemen. Now, do I think they're going to race to do that right away? I think Billy Guerin has been very vocal that no, we're not going to, we're not going to do anything out of urgency, especially since without that other piece, that other top center this year that we did make it very close to the playoffs. I think it's going to be a wait and see thing and they're going to gauge how the next season, uh, whenever it starts, uh, plays out before they, they make a decision there because Jonas Brodin is, is one of the, one of the best defenders in, in, in the league right now, in my opinion, at only 26 years old. Yeah. I mean, defensively, certainly like he's in that kind of that category. I mean, God, how many, how many Minnesota wild players have we talked about who, who <laughs> fill that category of guys who are just horror, not, not, you know, I won't say horrible, not good offensively, not exactly weapons offensively, but who are just ridiculous defensively. And I mean, that's Jonas Brody to a, to a, to a T. I remember Rodin being a guy who people were a little bit less excited about kind of back in the day. I think just because his, you know, his relative numbers or, or stuff like that were, were not necessarily so brilliant. Uh, but I think that once you have a tool like goals above replacement at your, you know, at your fingertips, and I think that this is one of the benefits of it is that you can kind of go back and recognize where those perceptions were, long, were wrong. I mean, like, you know, I'm just looking at, at, Brodeen's numbers right now and I mean here's like you know just going like starting from 2012-13 just walking you through his percentiles in defense 97 86 98 89 98 and then 55 and 17 and 18 and then 97 and then this year he was the 100, 100th percentile so he was the best defensive defenseman in the league so I mean you know I, I think he's definitely a guy who, who fills that category and, and whatever team you know if they traded for him you know I, I, I don't know if the Wilds you know, the, the wild kind of benefit from the fact that I think that some of their guys are so underrated that they can play, pay them less than market value. Like I think Spurgeon's an example where I think if Spurgeon was on the Toronto Maple Leafs, he'd be a nine or $10 million player, but oh, because easily. he plays for the wild, they, they could pay him 7 million bucks. But I think the flip side of that is that when it comes to actually trying to trade out guys and get, you know, big names in return, I feel like they don't necessarily have that option at their disposal. So I kind of, I wonder how the Wild would be able to get themselves a clear-cut number one center, you know, through the trade market. You know, obviously, free agency is a is a nightmarish place to try to find the number one center. Uh, you know, I, I think honestly, their their best hope right now would be just to give Eric Sinek a bigger role and see what he can do in it. Because, you know, I I feel like Jonas Brodin would not bring you the kind of player that you should be getting in return for Jonas Brodin. And, uh, and Matt Dumba, obviously, like you said, there's no better time to trade a 26-year-old defenseman than when he's coming off an abbreviated training <laughs> schedule and rehab and injury and a career-worst season. So, Well, yeah. we're, we're yet to have uh, much to criticize Billy Guerin for, so I guess uh, we just have to wait and see. Hopefully, he makes the right decision there. One last point on a comment you made in regards to deployment, and maybe that was something that was holding the wild back this year. I think that was ultimately one of the reasons why Bruce Boudreaux got fired. Because, And it's funny how you said that the, the Penguins fan base kind of painted Billy Guerin in more of like an old-school mind. Um, yeah. fr- from, from the sources that, that, that I heard of out here in Minnesota was that actually he was growing, even early in the season, really impatient with Boudreaux not giving these young players like Eric Sinek uh, more minutes and a bigger role in this team and actually right. had to come down to the dressing room in his office and, and tell him, you know, man to man, that like, no, you have to start doing this. This is an order because as we know, Bruce Boudreaux, he can roll, he can roll four lines in a game, but towards the, 
towards the third period, he's going with his, his three lines or the three reliable lines anyways. We've seen yeah. that dating back to his time in Washington as well. And that was very evident this season. And, and everyone, uh, the fan base and myself included, were just just screaming to see more of Ryan Donato, which he refused to play in the last 10 minutes of game. So I think whoever, whoever the new coach is, whether they decide to roll with the interim coach or bring in a new coach, I think that's going to be one of the main things coming from management is saying, you know, deploy the young guys. We know what we have in the prises. We know what we have in the stalls. Give them a break from the big matchups and let's see what, you know, Erickson can do because they did pick him over Brock Besser. And that seems to be the only narrative these days when we talk about Erickson Eck, especially uh, more in the West conference fair enough yeah i mean that honestly might be kind of a, a place where where you know we and by we i mean kind of people who talk about analytics and use analytics could could maybe be a little bit more careful because you know for like when bruce Boudreau got fired i thought it was absolute bullshit like i was you know i, I was looking at this team's numbers and thinking this is a team that is getting crappy goaltending but this is yet another brilliant coach who's getting fired because his stupid goalie can't make a friggin' save you know how many times have we seen this before you know if if your goalie's great you get a jack adams if your goalie's bad you get fired and uh you know i think that it's kind of easy to overlook you know other things that might be happening across the lineup like i don't think that like you know just that was kind of a obviously pretty focused hockey fan you know I, i wasn't hearing about the you know, deployment issues. And I mean, like, I think there was a similar thing, you know, that again, I'll always bring things back to the Penguins because that's my, uh, that's my home turf. But I think the same thing was probably true for Dan Bilesman, where if Dan Bilesman was getting fired from the Penguins now, people would look at the analytics. And I think a lot of isolated coaching models say that Dan Bilesman was actually a pretty good coach as far as, you know, his impact on play driving and stuff like that. But God damn, I hated Dan Bilesman. I hated him <laughs> so much because he would always play this, like, the friggin' Craig Adamses and Tanner Glasses, and his, he would never let, you know, Bo Bennett get into the lineup and, and let the young guys play. And, you know, I mean, in, in one sense, you know, we can look back and say, okay, well, actually, like, he was a pretty good coach. Like, obviously, what he was preaching was working to a certain extent because their their numbers are were really good in that period. And maybe, you know, what I was actually saying was his problem, the problem with his system was actually a Marc-Andre Fleury problem, just to uh, bring this whole thing full circle. But at the same time, you know, they bring in Mike Sullivan, who specifically his entire thing was, I'm going to bring up all the kids. I'm going to bring in Connor Sheary and Brian Rust and and all these guys who would have languished in the AHL under Dan Bilesma. And, you know, they win two cups in a row in large part because of it. So I think there is something to be said for, you know, sometimes us people who think that we're big smarty pants who know everything because we have, you know, enlightened access to certain spreadsheets to tell us which teams are good. I think sometimes there is space for a little bit of context sensitive humility where we can recognize that maybe things are wrong that aren't necessarily showing up on those sheets and, and, you know, maybe defer to people who can talk about, you know, if not necessarily, you know, I I don't mean necessarily the people who are telling us that Jack Johnson is actually a really good defenseman, but more of the people who are telling us actually, you know, this team from a like team defense perspective is doing very well and, and all this stuff, but there's some pretty acute deployment issues that are going to just get worse and worse as these older players get older and older and these younger players get better and better. So I think that that's a, a pretty good corrective on an attitude that we can sometimes have. Yeah, absolutely. Because obviously every franchise is its own business and whether, whether the numbers look great, whether the team is, well, I know winning can mask most issues, 
But in a case like the Minnesota Wild, where Bruce Boudreau, he was, man, he was a superstar amongst fans as well. The fans of the Minnesota Wild absolutely adore Bruce Boudreau. But the fans of the Minnesota Wild in the state of hockey, they're dialed in too. And we're lucky to have great writers like Michael Russo, for example, and great coverage through KFAN and whatnot that highlight some of these other storylines that, you know, Billy Guerin, I mean, Bruce Boudreau was not his guy. This was the last year of his contract and yeah. not that he was looking for an excuse to fire him, but if there was something that came up and they weren't able to work together, this was going to be the case. Hell, we saw it last year with Paul Fenton having only one year under the wild, right. uh, under the wild. And because he was just such, and I'm going to be frank here because I've read it like this, an asshole to everyone yeah. up and down, you know, from the players up and down to his, his coworkers to, to the people he employed that he just could not stay. Now looking in hindsight, yeah, the Zuccarello contract was, was pretty bad, especially because this team now Billy Garen anyway wants to get a little bit younger that didn't fit the narrative how if you look however if you look at the Grandland trade for Fiala which last year everyone was pulling their hair out about looking looking pretty good this year yeah, and same with some of the say, other some of the other moves I was I was pro Fiala for Grandland I, I stuck my my neck out there when everybody was talking about how much of a disaster it was and Fiala is actually a great example of somebody you know in the same situation as Matt Dumbo a little bit obviously he doesn't have the name recognition or he didn't when he was in Nashville but he was the guy who they picked up. I mean, you know, I just kind of brought up his stuff. You know, he was a top six forward in, in uh, 2017-18, and then he suddenly plunged to uh, uh, the fifth, like fifth percentile forward in the NHL in 18-19. The Wild pick him up, and now he's – like this season was the best season of his career. So, you know, really tells how, how you shouldn't sell low, and I think that we could maybe be a little bit less – you know, reactive about how players are performing necessarily in this season. Because I think that's somewhere or something that people kind of miss, especially because, you know, and admittedly I kind of fall victim on this a bit where you're tempted when you have access to analytics to make very definitive statements about players and teams. And I mean, you know, you could also make definitive statements about coaches, like to connect to the Bruce Boudreau thing. But I think that one thing you always have to remember is with analytics is that analytics aren't necessarily a measure of a player's ability. Like, that's not what we're saying. We're saying that, you know, like Sidney Crosby had a crappy defensive season. That doesn't necessarily mean that Crosby doesn't have, like, the talent to be a good defensive player or something like that. The same would apply to, you know, Dreisaitl. You know, maybe that guy is right. And every so often, Leon Dreisaitl gives a crap and wants to play really well defensively. Uh, and he does. And he puts his mind to what he does. Uh, but the point of the analytics is just to say what actually happened. That doesn't necessarily mean that it will always be that way. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that if Kevin Fiala has really bad analytics one year, that he's not going to be able to turn it around. Uh, and I think that that's something that I think people who use analytics have to be aware of is that, you know, they're, they're a reflection of performance rather than a definitive statement about a player's ability. Uh, but also I think that people who are a bit more hostile to analytics have to recognize is that we're not saying that your favorite player is necessarily a bad hockey player. We're saying, you know, maybe that he just didn't perform that well this year, or maybe he had a bad year, or maybe there's certain elements of his game that aren't very good just from a performance standpoint. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's data. It's tools to tell the story. It's not necessarily the story. Now, Jay Fresh, you've, you've given me, an, man, an hour of your time. This is outstanding. Uh, but before we wrap up here, I'm going to get you to, to, to plug away on everything you want. But, but first, how, how cool was it to be featured in the Athletics Top Hockey Twitter accounts to follow? Still relatively new to the scene. I mean, you're up there with the likes of Evolving Wild on the list. One, one of my favorite accounts and services, much like yourself, as you've referenced them a few times in this conversation. But Sean Tierney, 
Japanese up there as well. I mean, that's truly amazing, man, for, for, for what you're doing right now. And you admittedly saying that like, you're not an analytics guy first, and that's the reason that you got into all this. I mean, how cool is it to, that, the anal- that the athletic is giving you uh, this publicity? Yeah, no, I mean, it was awesome. I mean, they, they've been kind of, they used a bit of my stuff during the trade deadline, which was, which was very cool, especially, you know, I, I literally started this account on like February 4th you know, like, like, like literally like just over like two months ago or three months ago. Uh, so, you know, to have people kind of have that positive feedback has been, has been really awesome. But I mean, for the athletic thing, like that art, that article I think came out overnight and I had just done the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, uh, the 30 of the hashtag 31 days, 31 teams series that I'm, that I'm doing with my, uh, with my friend Dylan, who's looking at kind of prospects for each team as I, as I do the, the main rosters. But the, uh, uh, but yeah, so I had just kind of put out the Columbus Blue Jackets one and kind of the main point of the Columbus Blue Jackets one was uh, me saying that Seth Jones is one of the most overrated defensemen in the <laughs> NHL, uh, which immediately, you know, for all the, the heaping love that I got from Minnesota Wild fans for saying that Jared Spurgeon was one of the best defensemen in the league, you can basically just reverse that and that's the hostility <laughs> that I got for saying that Seth Jones is, is overrated. Um, but so basically, I, I just kind of, I, I, you know, had tweeted that and I had made a couple kind of follow up tweets that kind of explained in, in quite a bit more detail, you know, what I thought Seth Jones's analytical profile was that maybe was, you know, leading people to the wrong conclusions about him kind of using micro stats and stuff. And then I went to bed and I woke up and I had 200 more followers. Out of boy. <laughs> and, and nobody had told me that I, had, you know, like I, I had not read the article or anything. So I just assumed that like that many people were just, you know, the silent majority about Seth Jones and I had finally empowered them to uh to to speak their minds. And then somebody directed me to uh to the article, which was which was obviously awesome and I was a, a huge surprise for me and, and has definitely, you know, like the athletic has have been really big boosters of what I've been doing, even just kind of their individual writers. Like I was I was saying on the the Ice Analytics podcast a few weeks ago that, you know, I would be I would have probably 13 followers right now if it weren't for the fact that on the first day that I posted the, the visualization, Dom Lushijan retweeted it out. And I think that got a, a huge amount of eyes on it that I was not expecting at all. So I was, uh, I was obviously pretty happy to, to see that and, and happy to have a lot of new followers. And I will say my one critique so far is I am kind of disappointed that I, I have not had as many people furious at me as I was hoping. <laughs> Right now, I think most of my followers are people who generally agree with me and generally, you know, are interested in the the analytics thing and I think are very receptive. But, you know, I will say my few brushes with hostility have been pretty fun. So I'm I'm hoping to get a little bit more of that uh, in the next little bit, at least to keep myself occupied as we just kind of sit at home and don't really have anything else to do. All right. Well, I, maybe I'll help you out there and I can stir the pot and uh, send some of your visualizations to the old school minds that I know and we'll get, we'll get some conversations brewing. Um, this has been absolutely outstanding, man. Thanks again for, for giving us all this, all this amount of your time. I mean, tell everyone where they can find you and, uh, and what they get from subscribing to your Patreon. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm, I'm at Hockey on Twitter. That's, that's where I'm by far the most active. Uh, I, I do have a uh, patreon set up it's not it's not fully set up yet because i don't have a website where you can just kind of peruse all of the visualizations uh, i'm still kind of working on that there's a lot of kinks to work out because obviously i don't want people who have subscribed to me to have access to all the paywall data from other sources so i just have to make sure that i'm protecting other people's other people's uh 
work and other people's stats. Um, so right now, if you, if you do subscribe, you get access to uh, the Wins Above Replacement uh, roster generator, uh, which you can see pretty prominently. It appears in all of my uh, team rundowns. Uh, basically, that's, that's what I was talking about earlier that lets you kind of put in a lineup. You know, it could be, you know, you could put in the lineup for the Minnesota Wild, or you could see what the lineup of the Minnesota Wild, uh, sorry, Wild would look like if they traded for Austin Matthews you know, just that kind of thing. And it kind of pumps out. It shows you the visible replacement of every line as well as the full roster. Uh, and then you also get, you know, I've been kind of trying to identify things that I can give subscribers access to that don't give them access to paywall data that they're not necessarily subscribed to. Uh, and so that is uh, another thing that came up is the, the goal saved above expected per 60 starter rank, which was kind of the backbone of how I'm looking at goalies right now in terms of kind of the timeline of their careers. So essentially that's something that takes what's in my opinion, the best goalie stat out there right now, which is goal saved above expected. Uh, and it just kind of shows you from 2008 to the present year in each season, how a goalie ranked among the top 31, you know, in goaltenders. So basically the starting goaltenders, like in terms of time on ice in the regular season in the playoffs. So it does really kind of allow you to illustrate both how a player's career has has gone. So in the case of Flurry, how crummy he was with the Penguins, uh, you can kind of identify those elite seasons as they happen, but also illustrates, I think, just the pure randomness of goaltending, which I think is, is worthwhile in itself. Uh, so those are the kind of two things that you get for now by subscribing. Uh, and then in the future, hopefully very soon in the future, I'm still working out the details, uh, but there will be a site up where you are able to look at all the player cards you want so you can, you can see see for yourself how elite Joel Erickson Eck is defensively at your leisure. Um, I also want to give a shout out. So uh, right now I'm doing uh, the hashtag 31 days, 31 team series, which is where every morning I cover a different team in the NHL. I show a forward, a defenseman, a goalie, uh, a kind of cap hit versus war chart that just shows how players are living up to their contracts. And then I pick a team from the past 13 years and put it into the war roster generator and just kind of show you, you know, kind of a retrospective on how that team's analytics looked. Uh, and at the same time, uh, a buddy of mine, Dylan, uh, at Dylan uh, underscore Griffin, uh, who does kind of Russian junior league coverage for, uh, for Dauber prospects, is also going through every team at the same time as me and kind of going through three of their top prospects using visualizations that he's made. So I would also recommend you check those out as well. So, you know, while I'm making fun of some of your team's players, you can also at least enjoy what might be coming down the pipeline. Unbelievable. I just followed Dylan uh, on Twitter as, uh, as you told me all that. And man, I, I know you give a lot of credit to, to Dan Lashusian, but give yourself some credit to your work is truly outstanding. Um, we're out of time today. Again, thank you so much for yours. Um, be safe, be healthy. And like I said, keep up the outstanding work. Uh, we'll catch up again very, very soon because I want to dive into the Seth Jones and uh, Ryan Johansson trade now because it came up with a friend of mine a few days ago and now my eyebrows are raised and I got to do, uh, do a deep dive uh, after All subscribing right. to your Patreon. But we'll follow up soon, my friend. Thank thanks again for all your time. Yeah, that was great talking to you. Big thanks again to Jake Fresh Hockey. Your goddamn beauty, buddy. I cannot wait to bring you back on the podcast. I know there's a few hosts on the network who are excited to connect with you as well. I know uh, Frank Walker from the Shoot Once podcast had Jay Fresh on actually the week before uh, 
that we actually even caught up. So that's awesome. Um, he also appeared on the Ice Analytics podcast with Dr. Matthew Arp. So he's making the rounds here on the network, and it's an absolute pleasure to feature him on this platform. All right, segment three, we're going to go through it real quick because this is a huge show, and I do want to bring uh, some things forth on the next episode, episode uh, 58, which is a, which I'm going to fast track and get that to you later today. It's, it's pissing rain here on Vancouver Island. I'm not working today. I'm doing network stuff, and I'm staying inside. I, I decided to have a recovery day. I've been mountain biking about like 15 days in a row now. Um, I also ripped uh, the new road bike out. Nothing too crazy, like 40 kilometers in total to a beach and back. But um, my legs hurt. They're, they're not dead. And I really I want to do some physical activity, but I want to honestly catch up and bring you folks this content even more. So that's what I'm doing all day. Let's get to segment three, the NCAA and prospect signing. I'm going through them over the, the next few weeks. I'm going to take a break after this episode and wait two weeks. And I'm going to uh, actually try to connect. Well, I have connected. We're going to try to schedule a time where I can talk to some people working in Spokane with the Spokane Chiefs so we can get a really good prospect report on Adam Beckman because I can't do it justice myself. I've seen him play, don't get me wrong, but um, this guy's like, I believe, I mean, and taking nothing away from all the prospects that we've been outlining the last few weeks, um, especially the one that we're going to momentarily in Kalen Addison, but I think Beckman's on another level. I, I really do. I've, I've seen this kid play live the last few years in the WHL, um, and not just one-off games. This this guy's the real deal. He, he could be a, I don't want to say superstar in the National Hockey League because you never know, but I do think he could be a, a, a top player at his ceiling, 100%. But we'll get to that in a couple weeks here. Right now, let's talk about Kalen Addison. Now, I know he wasn't a recent like signing, but he was a recent acquisition. And I do think he's going to play, well, he, he is going to play pro next season in Iowa. Does he get a chance in the NHL? Hey, maybe he gets a look or two. But let's be honest, Iowa, they, they got a lot of players who deserve... Well, veteran, veteran rookies, I guess you can just call them professional, younger professional hockey players who deserve a spot as well. Quickly on Kalen Addison, I mean, man, he's got a nice shot. If he has room, his wrist is pretty deadly. Now, in the WHL, your players can help you create space a little bit easier than in the National Hockey League. Hell, you can even create space a little bit better in junior but when he does, he's got a he's got a wicked wrister, and he like he puts his whole body in like into it's 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 awesome. It, it's really awesome. I think he's a very smart player. Uh, he makes a lot of smart decisions. He's not afraid to dig deep for the pucks in the corner or get to the net. Like he'll drive and dig between players to either go win puck battles and retrieve, or just go straight beeline to the net and and crash it with a nifty move like a nifty backhand or like a kind of half-ass Forsberg type of type of uh, dangle there um he's a smooth and technical skater I don't think he's the fastest skater he's smooth and technical and strong on the puck and he's strong in the players he's checking uh he has decent hands for a defenseman on the rush in my opinion I haven't seen much of him like stationary taking guys one-on-one without speed to know that's that's why I kind of label it smooth to know if his hands are actually like elite or not but from what I've seen I, I really like him he sets the tone of the game because I can tell from watching him it everything's slower to him just the way he moves the way he's kind of less sporadic and, and quick and more relaxed yet still maintains the pace of the game he's got a good slap shot it's a, it's a snipe show 
And uh, again, just a very strong skater. Like a few strides that get him a ton of distance versus like that jittery go, 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 go. Um, yeah, not not the quickest, not the fastest, but very, 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 uh, very smooth and strong. In my opinion, the WHL prepares the best for the AHL out of the uh, the CHL developmental leagues. Um, this will kid, this kid will have an awesome pro career if he's employed correctly offensively in his first couple years. Um, because defense against men, he's strong, so so we'll see. But you can never really predict it, especially coming out of uh, juniors. We shall see. I'm very excited that. Uh, that Kalen Addison came back to Minnesota Wild's way in that Jason Zucker deal. I mean, what a deal that was. A, a first-round pick, a you know potential f- four defender, maybe even three. Um, I, I don't know what his ceiling is, but he, he could be a, a, a... Hey, if you're a regular defenseman in the National Hockey League, that that's a win. So I really do think that he that he has the potential to be so. So first round pick, potentially a a very good National Hockey League defenseman, and Gal, Alex Galchenyuk, where like he's just a good problem to have at this point because it's like, do you resign this guy who actually played well for you? Diminished role, diminished deal. Um, yeah, it, 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 or or you walk away and it doesn't really matter because he he helped the Wild this season and he may continue to help the Wild if uh, the season continues, which it's sort of looking like it is. I heard actually British Columbia has put in uh well has I don't know if it's a bid anyways, but it's put in a request or as at least our premier anyways of the province, John Horgan, has reached out to Gary Bettman um, personally. And has had talks in in Vancouver and more of the province, you know, places like Kamloops, British Columbia, Prince George, to also be sites for National Hockey League games. Very interesting stuff. I'll probably bring it up more in, in the next episode um, and definitely more with Dylan. Before we move on here and we close out the show, folks, uh, please support our friends at Manscaped. THPN promo code gives you 20% off. Listen. The the lawnmower 3.0 is a is an amazing machine. Your balls will thank you, and your partners will thank you, because your balls are thanking you. Uh, next time we'll get into some signings around the National Hockey League. Nothing too crazy, but there are there are two that uh, raise my eyebrows and that we're like, hmm, this this is actually some news, actually something to consume. Um, you know, oh, a, a player was signed here. I'm gonna look him up on Hockey DB and and whatnot. Um, Evolving Wild to check out their analytics. Shout out Evolving Wild. They didn't even pay for this ad. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm a hockey nerd, so I love that stuff. Uh, Elliot Friedman had some of Sportsnet had some uh, thoughts and things to say in a recent article uh, about how the draft may per, uh, transpire and how a lot of the general managers were not happy with well having a having a draft with a season perhaps starting after it and i don't blame them i've been very adamant on that as well um we'll talk about that in episode 58 and a little bit with dylan as well and any other you know national hockey league news and and stuff that's come out that I'm not going to go everything that I, go over everything that I've missed in the last few weeks, but anything that's worth talking about, um, worth having a conversation about with another person in Dylan and some of the other guests that are coming up down the road, which I will update you all at the Soda Pod. Um, then, uh, then I'll do so. Thank you to those tuning in on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, folks. The best thing you can do for us this week, besides donating on Patreon, is to give us five stars on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. 
uh, go through our website, thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. On your app, you, any podcast app, please download the episode before you listen uh, from either the Hockey Podcast Network feed or that of your favorite show. It just helps our business. And uh, again, rate, rating and reviewing on Apple and iTunes is just, it's the best thing you can do for us. Our host would say otherwise, as all the donations that go to patreon.com slash the Hockey Podcast Network, all the donations go to our hosts. Uh, no one uh, behind the scenes or anyone who manages the hockey podcast network myself included uh digs into that uh that pool that's all for the hosts for for them going above and beyond you know on youtube as the as tom franklin who hosts the the blue notes podcast the st louis blues podcast here on the hockey podcast network he throws together a awesome youtube show uh the goon line gaming where members of the hockey podcast network hosts of various shows get together and do play-by-play and 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 have a good time narrating um nhl 20 gameplay with with custom teams i believe it's a three-on-three tournament it's it's unbelievable please go check out the goon line gaming on, on youtube the hockey podcast network also on patreon you can find the uh the exclusive and fucking crazy show the hockey podcast network after hours now dylan and i we simply just wanted to catch up and talk hockey a few weeks back probably a month ago now and uh we we sent out a a live like uh zoom link to to everyone in our in our slack or the hockey podcast network slack group chat and said hey we're going live on facebook zoom youtube whatnot if we're going to record the audio and put it on patreon for for everyone who contributes on patreon and we thank everyone who does and um and we'll we'll just stream the video live because why not it's funner that way and uh the, the first episode was nuts it was it was bonkers it was off the wall and it was so much fun we had so many people join in and so dylan and i decided to do it again we kind of do it spontaneously those who are up join in we talk sports we talk life um we talk weed with Devin snow so anyways uh we had one last night and my head is it's still sore now i know it's still the morning here as i record this but i i don't drink that much anymore um i haven't been uh i haven't been divulging in the hippie lettuce that much at all i've been very healthy lately um like i said i I mountain bike and road bike in the same goddamn day now it's insane and like it's raining outside and i'm jonesing to get back on the bike like i'm just i'm a freak cut down on coffee i'm finishing my last cup of the day right now what's wrong with me folks haven't been haven't popping enough sodas lately but uh it's all good because i feel great and uh, in this time where we're all kind of cooked up inside. Feeling great is, uh, is is probably the most important thing. You know, having a, a clear head and 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 you know taking care of your mental health because that's important and and it affects your physical health as well. Don't forget you can follow myself at Vi Sports Talk. You can follow the 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 Soda Pod at the Soda Pod. Surprise, surprise. And the Hockey Podcast Network at Hockey Pod Net. We always have contests and giveaways going on, um, and we're most active on twitter but you can also find us on facebook and instagram again same handle at hockey pod net all right ladies and gentlemen i will be back in a if you're listening to this on saturday i will be back in a few hours here with episode 58 and then again on monday for episode 59 thanks again to jay fresh for your patience thanks again to all the listeners supporters of this show It, it means so much to me um the consistent support you, you all don't even know signing off of course i'm isha jerome this has been the soda pod presented by the hockey podcast network and folks in these crazy times don't fear just drink some beer and stay wild stay wild